You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation, but never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled Studios. I signal. Foster Care Nation, listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey. Today we have a return guest. Today we are going to be talking with Miss Jennifer Asher because she has a book. And we talked about it a little bit last time, and I know that it's going to be coming out real soon. So we want to talk to her about it. How are you doing today, Jennifer? I'm great. How are you, Jason? Oh, man, I could be better, but it'd probably be illegal. So we're just <laughs> going to take what we got today. <laughs> so how have you been with this whole, this whole process, this book writing process? I, I'm going to tell you, I've been told many times that I need to write a book, and I've sat down and wrote a lot of words. I've never put a book together. <laughs> So how's it how's it going? Are you you have it all finished, ready to ready to go and and put out to the public soon? It it absolutely is, and in fact, I got my files today to upload. So I'll be uploading them tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on how long it takes. So by the time anybody hears this, my book will be available on Amazon. Sweet. Well, you will have to make certain that you send me a link to that because on our podcast page on on the website, we have a uh, new page on there. You can see it across the top, or if you're looking on mobile, it's um, in the drop-down menu in the top left. At least on my phone it is. I don't know about your phone. I'm assuming it'll be there for you, too. But there is a page uh, called Book Resources. And full disclosure, if you're in the EU, it is a page with some Amazon affiliate links, which basically means I get like three cents if you click on it, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. But you can go in there, and, and we'll get that one listed on there so that you can find Jennifer's book in there as well. You have a direct link to that. And we'll put it in the show notes so it's super easy for you to find there, too. So this book journey, how did it start? Well, it originally started, I guess it all started uh, when we adopted my daughter. Um, But then I decided to write down the, the story when my daughter was about five years old. Someone had asked me a question about my adoption, and it was a crazy story. So I, I talked about it a lot. And when someone asked me whatever question this was, and I don't remember, I couldn't remember the answer. And at that moment, it occurred to me that, you know, I better write this all down. If I ever want to be able to share the entire story with my daughter, I better write it all down so that I don't forget anything. So at that time, I wrote the original first draft of my book. And I would frequently tell, I worked Shortly after that, I worked as an adoption consultant, working with adoptive families and helping them through the process and kind of just giving them counsel and solace during that time. And I would often tell them, it seems like everyone in the adoption process, there gets to be a point where it just gets stuck and nothing seems to be moving or happening. And it's very, very frustrating. And I would tell them this whole story about my journey and how everything seemed to go wrong along the way. And I now truly believe that everything had to go wrong because it was stalling me because I needed to wait for my daughter to be born. And I was, I was always encouraged after telling this story in whatever version I told it at that time, wow, you should write a book. And 
I, I thought about it and I thought about it. And I sat down one day and I, I started reading through my first draft and I got about one chapter in, which took me multiple hours because I was sobbing the entire time. And I said, you know what? Too emotional, not doing it. And I put it back on the computer and I left it there for about 14 years. And last year when the whole COVID thing happened, I, and I was, you know, obviously a lot of my activities had stopped. Someone had told me, you are so bored. You need to do something that is feeding your soul. And I said, I am, I'm happy. And she said, no, I know you really well. And you need to be doing something to feed your soul. You're just not right now. And within about three days, I had three different people from different aspects of my life tell me, you should be an author. And I said, gosh, this is so strange. This message is coming to me from so many different directions. And the very next day, a friend of mine who was also a former adoption client, I helped him find his child, posted on Facebook, I've written a book. And I said, all right, that's it. The universe has told me, has hit me over the head with it. And I called him and I asked him all kinds of questions about, tell me all about your book and how this happened and why and why now and all of this. And he got me hooked up with the people that I worked with and my publisher. And that's how it all started. Well, I know that, you know, the adoption was kind of the, the impetus for the book, but I like the title because it doesn't specifically reference adoption, but it kind of does. Yes. Journey to my daughter. Well, and people often ask me a lot of times I, I worked in a group. I had a cohort of about 300 authors that I was working with. And, and often I would talk to them and they'd say, well, the, my working title is this. And I said, this has just always been the title. And I've never been able to consider anything else. I've, I've thought about it and I've tried to come up with, should I consider other titles? And I couldn't. It was just, it was an incredible journey to find my daughter. We went through just ridiculous things. And it, it was nothing short of a journey or a quest. So that's just always been the appropriate title. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I have thought about writing many books. I've started a few. I've have a whole bunch of stuff on there. I've never gotten to that point. And I, I can really resonate with what you said though. That third person who tells me something inside of about a week or two, it's usually the one that goes, I think God's talking to me. Well, and that's, that's the kind of the subtext of the story itself is that, and this wasn't in the original version when I wrote it down for my daughter, as I read it to edit it, to begin editing last year, or I guess it was this year, I kind of realized that all along the way, there were all these signs that were kind of pointing me in a different direction. And that either this was right or this was wrong. And I really didn't realize it until I kind of read the book with those eyes. And so if you um, look at my, at the cover of my book, the, the subtitle of my book is a memoir about adoption and self-discovery, which really wasn't the intention. That's just kind of where it went and learning to follow the signs from the universe. Yeah, some of the things I've found is that I have these wonderful plans and God tends to come in and go, oh, that sounded cute, but let me give you the real plan here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm glad and, I'm the only one he talks to that way. Well, and it's not always clear and you have to be open and willing to listen. And that's the bottom line 
is uh, you, you have to be willing to listen. I'm I'm pretty hard headed, and if you've ever read Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies, I'm a rebel, which means I follow no one's rules, and <laughs> I don't follow other people's rules, and I, I don't even follow my own rules. So, and that's very 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 evident in this book because I just have an agenda, and I've decided that this is what I want, and this is what I'm going to do, and no one and no government and no company is going to get in my way. But the universe had other plans and I just had to learn to follow them. Oh yeah. <laughs> Learning part for me, that one usually involves pain. That's where I learn really well is when I find myself in a place of pain. You know, I love that you wrote this whole story down for your daughter though, because as everybody knows, we have a bunch of adopted kids in our house and Every one of those stories involves some level of pain. There's a reason why a kid is not able to live with their biological mother and father. And that's the story of their pain. And being able to to lay that out for a kid, because honestly, that's been part of the part of what we've done with with this podcast. You know, if you go back to the early podcast, you'll see, oh, there's a series in there. I think it's called the the journey of standing with turtle or or something like that. Um maybe it was something about, I don't know, legacy or something was in that title. I can't remember. It's been that long ago. But Turtle is my second youngest. And we told his story. And that was our way of kind of having an opportunity to to lay his story out. Because I know that I'll forget details. If you ask me what I did yesterday, I'm not going to remember. <laughs> but 10 years from now, he'll be 18 years old, roughly speaking. And I'm not going to remember the details. 15 years from now, when he's when he's old enough to assert some of that out, I'm not going to have the details for him. But to have laid all of that out, uh, what what was your was that your 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 first intention? Just to lay that story out so that she could later on see that story? Is that what what you were really going for? Yeah, it really was. Uh, again, I went through just some crazy some crazy events on, on the way to finding my daughter. Uh, I, I got sent to Vietnam. We had decided to do an international adoption and I got sent to Vietnam and everything went wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And in fact, years later, it's now been, she's now 20. So years later, even the people closest to me, my mother, my sister-in-law, my best friend, when they read the advanced reader copies of this book, they said, I didn't know everything that happened. And I said, how could I ever tell you everything that happened unless you wanted to sit on the phone with me for like eight hours while I recounted this entire story? I went through so much and so many crazy things happened that I had to write it down or there was no way I was going to remember. You know, a lot of the, a lot of what I do on, on Monday mornings, I lead two groups of, of dads and a group I'm a part of the leadership team on. And, you know, we, we talk about that a lot, and that is is being able to tell that story. And oh, actually, we're in the middle of a process right now where we're taking some time out every week for a guy to tell their story, and it's cathartic for a lot of a lot of men to be able to hear that they're not the only one going through that. And you know, the, those struggles are things that everybody goes through. So, as you have recounted this, I mean, I imagine this is a story that'll reach out to a lot of people who can resonate with everything you've been through. Absolutely. And that's, that's my plan. However, I, I have to, I have to say, and this came from really talking with you whenever it was that we spoke a month or two ago, 
is that I've really seen to this has this this journey and and the book journey has been a journey of its own has really led to this whole discussion of my baby books and I keep getting getting kind of led the signs are leading me in that direction that that's just so important and helping families like your own to write these books for their kids and how important that is to write it down I'm hoping, I have not figured out the logistics yet, but I am hoping next spring to do some workshops somehow online to help families write their own stories for their kids and be able to, now the technology is so great that you can go on Shutterfly or Snapfish or whatever. I'm not up to date with the, the current the current websites, but they have, but all these different websites have this way that you can put in your own text and your own pictures and make a book. And everybody does it with their old photos and stuff, but to make a book specifically for your child telling their story. And it's not just for adopted kids, but for adopted kids, for foster kids, for kids of same sex parents, for blended families to have there a concrete story that your child can go back to about how much they were loved and how much they were wanted. And you're right. There's always some trauma and there's some pain that leads to any child not being raised by their biological parents. But every trauma is an opportunity. And to view it as that and to view that trauma in their life, not as something to hinder them, but as a way to learn and a way to find the positive opportunity for them, I think is just a gift that we all want to give our kids. And when I, after speaking with you last time, I had a discussion with my daughter about it. And we talked not only about how much does she think about her biological family, but also about this book. And I said, do you remember your baby book? And she said, oh yeah. She said, as I grew and when I was eight, 10, 12, she said, I would go and read that myself at night. And anytime I was unsure or kind of lacking in self-confidence, I was able to go back and read that book and know that I was wanted. Okay, citizens of Foster Care Nation, we want to hear from you. We want to hear any stories that you'd like to share with us, anything that might be funny, inspiring, touching, heartfelt, all of those things. That's what people love to hear. So why don't you send us some of your stories? You can reach us at our voicemail line at 413-FOSTER-3. Again, that's 413-FOSTER-3. Now, we're going to assume that if there's any privacy rules that you need to follow, you've already followed them and changed any names that need to be changed because we will play some of this on the air. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, this voicemail has a limit of about, I think, 10 or 15 minutes. So anything longer than that, just contact me at jason at fostercarenation.com and we can sit down and talk about your whole story. Yeah, that's a huge part here because as foster families, you know, one of the things that almost every one of our kids come to us with is a a trauma story, you know. I mean, our kids have got, you know, death and drug addiction and and all kinds of things in their stories. And it's really easy. I'm just going to tell you the truth as as a foster parent. And maybe it's, it's similar as an adoptive parent, but I know as a foster parent because we are we are uniquely involved in the aftermath of that trauma. It's easy to look at it and and lay judgment on people. 
to say this evil person did what? <laughs> you know, when you have a kid whose list of of drugs that that they found in his system is is this long, and you're like, holy crap, this horrible human did this to this child. This is unbelievable. And it's really hard to tell a positive story to your kid about how much they were wanted when when the story that you have in your head is this is a horrible human who did bad things. Right. And that's why if you can, it's kind of like being in an argument. You you don't want to you don't want to say too much when you're in an argument because you're angry. So if you can take time away from that child, away from that kind of moment of being put on the spot and write down a positive story because there's there's pretty much a way to spin just about any story into a positive no matter how abusive a, a family may have been before they got to you number 1 you wanted that child and you can write about how you love raising children and you love having wonderful unique souls in your in your family and how rewarding that is for you and how much you wanted that child you can also write a little bit you don't need to over romanticize it but the fact that and you can fudge a little bit but the fact that that parent recognized in whatever way they did that they weren't able to care for that child the way they needed to and that they wanted that child to have a life where they were being cared for and loved. Oh yeah. Because that's truer than we like it to admit sometimes <laughs> because it's so easy to st stick into the, uh, stick to your guns on the, this is a horrible human thing. And, and I was almost going to argue with you when you said that you don't want to talk much in the middle of an argument. You don't want to say too much because I want to say things in an argument, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. It, learning how to, how to shut your pie hole long enough to realize that, that that argument with a kid is not going to be healthy for them. And so you have to, you have to cover that in, in a, in a fuller story. That involves maybe, you know, a parent who has some drug addiction and understanding that addiction for what it is, because there's always the argument that people are going to have as to whether or not addiction is an issue is a, is a disease. But I will tell you that I have seen personally that for most people, a lot of the things that the harder things like methamphetamines and heroin right now and the fentanyl, those are things that, that I think you get to say no to once, but yeah. the first time you fail to say no. I don't know that you get another opportunity to say no all the time. Well, and the fact is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a disease or not. I do believe that addiction is a disease. I do believe that, yes, there's a certain amount of control people have, and there's a certain amount that they don't have, but it doesn't really matter. It, it, the same could be said for anger or abuse, abuse or anything like that. It, it's something that we get carried away, or even just what you just said, being in an argument and saying things that will inadvertently hurt your child. We all, we all struggle with these things and it's not, it doesn't even necessarily need to be about your child. It can be with, with my husband, an argument with my husband where I say things that are hurtful and mean and nasty that in a calmer time, I wouldn't really mean, but certainly with your children, we're here to guide our kids. And if we have a concrete positive version of the story that we're able to refer back to, from as early as we can and as we can have it, then those questions won't come up and they won't put you on the spot like that. And even if they do, 
you've got the framework and you can refer back to, hey, you know, your book and you know how we talked about that your biological parents weren't able to take care of you. That's why you're here because they wanted you to have a better life and we wanted you to have a better life. And we wanted another child. We wanted another child to raise and another child to have. Yeah. And we may have talked about this last time we talked, but that story is so important that if you don't, if you don't have that hammered into their head, they will come up with a, with an alternative story. And one of my, one of my best examples is our youngest little guy. He's six years old now and he tells his story of how, how he ended up here. Now, his story involves his mom and dad being killed by snakes, but they took them out into the forest and hid him in a tree to protect him from the snakes. And the snakes killed his parents, and then the foster care people came and got him, and they brought him to us, and that's how he got here. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little made up to me. <laughs> but You didn't see the snakes? You didn't. I didn't see the snakes and the workers who told us the story of the kid coming to our house didn't see the snakes either. But, but that's a story he has in his own head at this point, just because for him, he's, he's making a story that, that he can identify with. Right. You know, and I'll, I'll save the psychology thing there a a little bit because I, I think that some of the, some of the stuff around that, you know, the archetypal stories that I think it was Carl Jung talked about a lot and the inbred fear of snakes, you know, where infants can, can notice snake patterns and, and show fear when they see, are shown that pattern. And, and I look at that and go, wow, this is wildly amazing. But yeah. we're in the process of trying to help him understand his, his real story to the best level that he can, because obviously age appropriate is important. But so all of that said, I'm cautious to dive too deep into a story with him yet because he's just not ready for all that. But it sounds like your daughter, you said she's in, uh, 20 years old now, right? Mm-hmm. So as she looks back on this idea of you telling her story to the world and your story at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's a blended story for sure. What's her thoughts on, on all of that and her story being shared with the world? Well, I think fortunately the way I wrote it and the, the time period that I wrote, it really only goes up to like, she's a week old. So there's nothing for her to be embarrassed about in this story. And there's really very little written about her biological family. It's more about our quest to find her. And she recognizes that. And she appreciates that she's very open about her adoption. And I think part of the reason is because she has always known her story and we've never hidden anything from her. Of course, we've already always talked to her in age appropriate terms. Again, the, the book that I wrote for her when she was six months old, you know, is very, you know, it talks about mommy and daddy decided they wanted a baby. And first they looked in mommy's tummy, but they did, there was no baby there. And they talked to the doctor and the doctor said, mommy's tummy is not so good at growing babies. So it was very age appropriate terms, but I think because of that, she's always just had a really healthy view of her own adoption and of her biological family. She She's not in close touch with her biological family, but she does, she messages her biological sister on Instagram and she knows if she ever wants to see her birth mom or see what's going on with her or know what she looks like. She's on Facebook. She's one of my Facebook friends. And she also knows that it wasn't really a healthy environment for her to be raised in. And she's grateful that she's not there. And we were able to, again, introduce that to her in a healthy way. 
it to to say yes this this wouldn't have been a healthy environment for you to stay in but your birth mom cared enough about you and was worried enough about you that she wanted you to to grow up in in the healthiest family that you could and she chose us and and we're very grateful that she did yeah that's that's just an amazing ability that you guys have to to have carried the story forward for your for your daughter through this whole time frame and allow her to build a healthy framework to see her own world through. Absolutely. And, and the problem is like, like you said, they do, kids do make up their own stories and the story that your son made up or your foster son wasn't an unhealthy one. The problem is when given their own, given to their own devices, children might come up with a, a story that isn't healthy or that focuses on, my birth parents were bad people and therefore I'm really a bad person. And when those kinds of stories get conjured up in their heads, it can, it can be very damaging to their self-esteem or how could I, you know, or, or they didn't want my, not even my birth parents were bad people. They didn't want me. There was something wrong with me and they didn't want me. So those are the types of stories that can be really, really damaging to kids emotionally that we don't want. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because children are very egocentric and they tend to believe that whatever happens to them in their world is, um, is their fault. They caused it. And yeah. So, so when they see that, that, that story about adoption in their world, you know, my mom didn't want me and it was my fault. And I know I've, I've sat, I've got the story that, that haunts me to this day of sitting on the front porch of our house where we used to live with a little girl who was six years old, who called me dad, who called my wife, mom, and through teary eyes one day, she said, Dad, why won't my mom and dad love me? Why won't they, they stop doing drugs and just take care of me like they're supposed to? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a story. And that was that was 20, almost 20 years ago that that story happened. Yeah. And I did not have the verbiage to, to build a, a healthy story around that at that point. Unfortunately, I'm pretty certain I handled that all kinds of wrong. And <laughs> I, <laughs> We all do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I avoided, you know, saying something, you know, horrible and, and wrong. Like, you know, your mom just likes drugs too much because um, that's that that was I mean, I still know her, her biological mother, and she does like drugs. Um, unfortunately, you know, she's still in that struggle. But I didn't have the verbiage at that point in time to be able to to build a healthy story around that for her. And point out that we're grateful that our own gratitude for being able to have the opportunity to help her out in her hard place. And I love that you've you've been able to build that for your daughter and allowed her to build a healthy self-image around all of that. Yeah, it's very, very important. And and kids will always try to blame themselves. And you know, and that goes back to it doesn't matter if it's truly a disease or not. It's I think it's healthier to to frame it that way if that's really what you're dealing with, because you can say there's all different reasons that biological parents aren't able to care for their children. And it's not because they like drugs too much. It's because this is the lifestyle that they have, whether it's they don't have enough money to support a child, whether they are addicted and have a disease, um, and whether that's an addiction that's that you see as a disease or it's some physical disease. I mean, there are some children who are placed for adoption, particularly these days, there are children who are placed for adoption because their, their parents have, have died of COVID. Mm 
and or in some cases, entire extended families died of COVID. And because of that physical disease, this child needed to be placed with another family. Yes, I, I recently heard a story of a little girl who needed a, a place because uh, I believe her her mom died. I forget what it was. It was it was a disease, whether it was COVID or cancer. It was something that the mother had died from, and her father was on his on his last leg of his tour overseas and got killed in battle. Oh. And she needed a place to go. I mean, think of how how you could you could write that story for her in two different ways. One could be horrible and damaging to her, and the other one could could at least build up the idea in her mind that she came from amazing people who had bad things happen to them, and she has amazing in her in her veins right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's and again, it goes back to that whole you don't want to say things in the fight, or you don't want to. And same kind of thing is you don't want to say things when you're put on the spot and have to come up with an answer really quickly. Like you were on the, on the porch with your, with your six-year-old that you have to come up with something like this. And that's why I really, you know, again, and it's so funny because this was never, this was never my plan when I started this journey in any way, shape or form, but I've just found myself on this platform about, sharing these healthy stories with these kids preemptively so they don't ever get to that point and so that we don't we're not ever put on the spot like that on the on the porch without any kind of reference or knowledge of of how to answer these questions yeah what you, what you're doing here and what you're talking about and and I'm excited to see if if you have a, a program worked up coming up in the spring because this seems like the sort of thing that needs to be pushed out and through adoption agencies and foster agencies so that people can learn the skill set of telling a healthy story to kids rather than allowing them to to make up their own stories or hear stories that are damaging for them to play in time and again in their own head. Because I think it was Melissa Corcoran we, we interviewed, and she had talked about how there was a study about how often kids in care – or adopted kids think about their biological family. And the idea for most parents that were involved, foster and adopted parents, thought it was probably once every week or two at least. And and the answer that they got from the kids was it was once every day at least. Well, and it's so funny that you say that because that was one of the things after I spoke with you last time that I asked my daughter. And I said to her, how often do you think of your biological family? And she said, almost never. And I said, well, like how often? She said, I don't know, maybe once every couple months. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to take credit in any way, shape or form, but, but I do think the fact that we've been so open about it and there's no mystery about it. And again, if she wants to know what's going on with her biological mother, she can go on Facebook and look. And we don't, we would never discourage her from that. We have no problem with that. So I think that when you take that mystery away, it's like talking about not discussing the blue elephant in the room. If you're asked to not discuss the blue elephant in the room, that blue elephant will never leave your mind. But if you just say, hey, just want to let you know, we got this blue elephant. We can't, we can't get him into the other room. So he's just going to be here and he's fine. He won't bother you at all. You don't even think about the blue elephant. Yeah, I forget who it was. I, I somebody had talked about a book, and it was, 
it was something about you know having a dragon in the house and the kid came home with this this little dragon and and talked about how this you know this dragon had gotten bigger and bigger and, and the parents comp- always said it wasn't there they ignored the fact that it existed until the the dragon got big enough to more or less walk down the street with a house around him and, and moved his house down the street and as soon as they recognized that you know they said it out loud and said oh yeah there's this thing here and they mentioned it the dragon began to shrink and down to he, the fact they're down to the size that he was a small, manageable thing again. And I was like, that's a beautiful metaphor for how these things go because sometimes these stories are big and difficult and challenging. You know, I don't know your daughter's original bio- biological parent story, but you could probably have taken that either way and you chose the better of the two routes. So good on you for that and for telling us about what we need to be doing as foster and adoptive parents as we tell these stories to our kids because. It's just so easy to take the easy route as opposed to taking the right road. And it's really not, it's really not any harder when you just think about it in terms of you want what's best for your kids and you want to tell them in a way that's going to be able to help them because every trauma that happens, you have a choice. It's not, it's not what happens to us. That's the trauma. It's what happens in our head in response to the trauma, no matter what it is. And if we can, take these things and make them a positive and reframe them in a healthy way that can propel you for forward. Again, I spoke with someone this morning who she had, she had horrible trauma in her life. She's actually a fellow author. She's not publishing until May, but she had called me to ask for some advice in her pre-sale campaign. And we, we got in a discussion about her book and she, her, her book, I can't remember the name of it, but it was something like trauma propels. And she, she said, she just, she wants to, teach everyone to take what's happened to them and help it propel you into the future in a positive way. Yeah. It's, um, Carol Dweck's book, um, mindset, I think is the name of the title. And it's amazing how powerful that is when we, we can choose the mindset with which we approach every situation. We can't always control the situations that we're in, but we can control our responses to them. And that starts with that mindset of understanding that, I have a couple choices here Mm -hmm. and that's where the real power lies. Right. And, and again, the physicality of writing a book, um, but both this book and the, and the baby book, the thing about it is, is that it takes that immediacy out of it. And it's so nice to have something concrete. And it's been so amazing for me, this whole journey of putting my whole story onto paper and the different the different groups that I'm hoping to inspire and provide some instruction for and actually have it written down instead of kind of my, my daughter is always criticizing me. You never tell the same story twice the same way and, and having that change. So now it's, it's here, it's real, it's written down. And I'm so excited to have particularly other adoptive families be able to relate that. First of all, crazy things we go through to get to, to our kids, potential adoptive families that if this is meant to be, it will happen and the universe will help you find your correct child and they're the child that is meant to be yours and other groups as well. I had, you know, I had someone who, who read a, an advanced reader copy, one of my beta readers who, who read this and said, oh my gosh, this came to me at just the right time. And it was just like words from the universe, just telling me I need to, I need to let life happen. I need to let life unfold the way it's supposed to. 
So there's all different groups. I also included some information. I included a few chapters about my miscarriages. So, which I didn't originally have in my original version because my editor asked me to, she said she had experienced miscarriage and that this, that if I was some, if it was something that I was willing to talk about, that it was something that really wasn't written enough about, and it really wasn't normalized enough about. And I said, you're right. I said, you know, when I started this, I never, and even as kids and and young adults in school, nobody ever talks to us about that. When you decide to have a child, you might not be able to have one. It's just kind of, it's so common and yet it's so little talked about. So there's those women and families that I'm, I'm hoping to reach as well to both to young people who may not have gotten to that point yet to let them know that this is something that happens and it's not the end of the world and you can live through it and you can move forward and there are other ways to find a child. And also to people who have been through it, that they're not the only ones. This happens a lot and it doesn't, it just doesn't need to be the end of the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that being part of a dad's group, that's one of those stories that I hear a lot in there. The men who have been through that miscarriage process with their wife and it affects everybody. It's, it's huge and it's, it's everywhere. I Mm -hmm. don't know any, any real segment of humanity who is not affected by it, whether it be, you know, moms, dads, the kids in the family, you know, how do you have that conversation with your kid that mom was pregnant and now she's not. And, you know, here's, here's what that means. And that, that's a tough one. So yeah, I'm glad you, you wrote about that because it's, I'll be real honest. I don't know how to talk about that in my house. You know, we, we don't have that issue in our house right now. Uh, but, but I would not have a clue how to approach that. That's, that's a tough topic. Yeah. Well, it happened before we had kids, so we didn't have to share it with our kids. And fortunately we learned not to share any pregnancies until pretty well along, but it it's, it is, it's, it's a tough thing. And, and I'm not sure why it's considered so taboo. I, I, um, I, I don't know. It's really not something that, that people talk about very often at all. And I've been surprised how many people that I, again, I know well. Now, I've got this like huge reader base this, at this point of like eight people who have, who have read my book so far. But I'm shocked how many of them, and these are people close to me, who have said that they had a miscarriage as well. And I never knew that about them because it's just something people don't talk about. And again, it's a horrible thing. Fortunately for me, it was not overly traumatic. I was able to, again, frame it and see it for me as my body getting rid of a a fetus that was not going to be able to develop normally. And at the time, I didn't really see it that way. But by the second one, I was able to see it that way and just say, okay, my body knows that this isn't working for whatever reason, or that my body you know, I don't, obviously I don't, I'm not a doctor. Either the the fetus couldn't develop normally, or maybe my body could not at that time handle a pregnancy that it somehow might have made me very sick. I don't know, but I just see it as something that had to happen just like everything else on this journey of mine had to happen for me to end up with my daughter who I fully 100% believe was meant to be my daughter. She was not, she was uniquely designed to, to be mine in the same way that any biological child 
is kind of given their family the way they were, that they're meant to be in that family. So I, I don't know why, why it's just not talked about more, but it, it's something that happens a lot. I think there are some statistics that I put in my book. And I did a little bit of research to find out, but I know it's at least 10% that's reported in the first trimester of pregnancies and in miscarriage. That's that's one in 10. And it's probably more than that because I think there's a lot that you know just kind of happen naturally and they don't have to have a DNC. So that never gets reported. So it's very, very common. Yeah, it, it really is. And I don't know many families who who haven't been affected by it either personally or in their extended family somewhere. It's just, uh, it's something that just happens and it's, it's very much swept under the rug in a lot of places. You're right. It's a taboo topic that most people don't discuss. So I'm really glad that you're, you're willing to discuss that with people and talk about your own experience because like so many of those things we've talked about, it's important to be able to name the elephant in the room. And it's amazing what it does for the psyche to be able to talk about the hard things in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I got to know it is currently the beginning of December in 2021. I don't know when I, when, when uh, the listeners are tuning into this particular episode, but I assume your book is coming out real awful soon. When is it going to be coming out? I just got the files tonight, today, and I will be putting them online and you'll be able to pre-order, I believe, or you'll be able to order, I believe, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So that will be the 7th of December. Yes. So if, you're <laughs> listening, if you're listening to this, it should be up and available already. Yes. Yes. It should be on Amazon. Um, I, it will also be wherever books are sold, but we all know Amazon. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I'm beginning to dislike them because they show up in my house all the time and I take money out of my bank account and I'm starting to wonder if there's an issue that in our house. And I'd love to blame Amanda and say it's all her fault, but those packages don't all have her name on them. Some of them have my name. Like I must have ordered it. They bring you presents though. My husband calls it the magic door. He's like, oh, look, <laughs> we opened the magic door and there's something else at the doorstep. Yes, unfortunately, with that magic door comes a debit out of my account. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have bought a few things there that I would not have paid for in the store. I, I don't know what the magic is that they have figured out, but they figured something out. Yeah, I think it has something to do with you don't have to get in your car and go to the effort of doing it. You can just kind of sit on the screen and order strange things in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> now you're telling my story again. So I, I'm there. <laughs> now I, I'm certain we talked about this before, but I don't remember the answer. Are you doing the, um, the audiobook as well? Yes, I, I will be doing the audiobook. That will not be available till sometime next year. As soon as everything dies down from the launch of this, the, the ebook will be available immediately the Kindle version. And then I will be recording the audiobook myself, probably starting in March. So I'm hoping to have it completed by the summer, maybe early fall. I'm not sure exactly when it'll be available, but I will be doing it on audiobook. Well, good deal. You're going to record it yourself? Yes. Good deal. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the books that people read by themselves. Usually I've had a couple authors and I went, eh, maybe that guy shouldn't have done it. But <laughs> you have a nice voice and, and you know how to speak. And, and the ones that kill me are the ones that, that are usually written by older gentlemen who, whose 
voice and and speed is I have to hit the speed up button just to be able to listen to it. And so yeah, those those make me a little crazy. Other than that, I spend so much time in a in in the traffic and I've got nothing to do but listen to podcasts and and audio uh, audiobooks. So I, I just use that time that way because you can only listen to the same forty songs on the radio so long before you have to find something better. Well, I'm with you. And that's why I was absolutely insistent upon having an audiobook because I really don't read visually. I I listen to my audiobooks. I have them on my phone and I walk around with headphones while I'm doing laundry, while I'm doing dishes, while I ride my horse, while I'm driving my car, while I'm walking, you know, my dog, whatever. I'm always listening to my audiobooks. Sometimes I even listen to them when I'm not doing anything else and I just really want to listen to the rest of the book. I'm a little bit addicted to the the audiobook format. I, I love it myself. And I have been told that reading my book is exactly like talking to me. Everyone, again, who has been close to me, who has read the book has said, my gosh, it's like you're right there reading the story to me. So I can't imagine having anyone read the book besides me. Yes, yes. And that that's one of those uh one of those things that's just so very valuable to be able to to hear somebody tell their story in their own words. So I, I love that. Well, I'm really glad to hear that that's going to be coming out soon because I currently have a handful of extra credits on Audible. So I'll be huh? I'll be waiting to see when that one jumps out and uh maybe maybe a few days worth of riding down the road will will uh be be just what I need to find a, a book that I can listen to because your story is amazing and the way that you have approached this this difficult topic about about biological families and how to talk about that with kids who are adopted with kids who have a story that doesn't necessarily need to be a traumatic story for them well and that's not really what this book is about but it's where the book has led me to but it's <laughs> it it is it's a great story it reads like a novel Again, everyone has told me that they they couldn't put it down. They stayed up late into the night reading it because it's it's very, I tried to make it lighthearted. I tried to include a little bit of humor in there along with some of the trauma, so to speak. But it's, uh, it's a wonderful story. And that's why I had so much fun writing it. And I, I really can't wait for you and everyone to, to hear it. Now, there is, I don't necessarily recommend this, but you can ask someone to read your Kindle to you someone who might be in a dot in the room. And it's <laughs> it's very strange and it comes out sounding really strange. But if you're like me and you just don't read visually until the audiobook comes out, that is an option. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I, I listen I like listening to things because it engages that part of the brain that, that builds stories better for me. And so it's it's something that I can do listening to really build a better picture. If I sit down and read for too awful long, let's be honest, I have a 60-hour-a-week job. I have a whole bunch of kids in my house. If I sit down for more than about five minutes, I, I'm trying to figure out why my head's bouncing off of my shoulder. So I can't sit and read for too long. I need a nap most days. So this is a great way to be able to to take that information in and create a great example of how to how to handle these things and and how to handle this with kids without needing to to set aside fam time from your family or your other activities if you're like me and you don't have the luxury of extra time to sit and read. Yeah, and it is it's interesting. One of the the interesting parts of this journey for me which I mean I, they're too numerous to count. I 
I had no idea what was involved in writing a book and getting it to publication. But one of the things that they made us do was before we sent our books to copy editing, we were required to read the entire thing out loud to ourselves. And they said that is because it uses a different reading out loud, uses and hearing it, uses a different part of the brain than reading it visually. And where your eye can kind of skim over some of the typos and some of the mismatched verbs and 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 nouns, it, it when you hear it out loud, it's reaching a different part of your brain. So interesting. I never thought of it that way, but we were, we were required to read the book aloud five times total. So I've read through it aloud five times already. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Maybe I won't write a book. I don't know if I have the time to read through anything I write five times. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So what's next for you? Well, first I have to market this book and get it into people's hands, which I'm really hoping to do. I'm really excited. Just, I I love the whole story and, and it's something I've loved telling people over the years, but I'm so excited now that I can reach a greater audience. So initially I'm just trying to get this book into people's hands. I do have, like I said, some inspirations to do some workshops and helping people write their own adoption stories for their kids, like children's books. I'm I'm not sure the best way to do that. I'm I'm planning to do some workshops. I may do some one-on-one consulting as well, where I just help people with their individual story and coming up with the right wording. Eventually, I'd like to write some other books. I have some great ideas. Uh, Hillary is a a figure skater. My daughter is a figure skater. And and that leads to more stories than I can possibly tell in my lifetime. But but I'd like to try. And there's a couple of of young adult books that I've talked about that I may may write about her young uh, beginning skating adventures. And I may depending on just kind of where the universe leads me, I've been, I've been asked to write a book about my son's adoption. My son was adopted as well. It wasn't quite as crazy a journey as my daughter's, but just as wonderful an outcome. So I do plan to continue writing and, and having books in the future, but probably not for at least a year because I also will be starting in March doing the recording of the audiobook. Yeah, it sounds like you have quite a few things on your plate ahead of you already. And yeah, that that's most people struggle with trying to find what they're supposed to be doing in this life. It seems like you found what you need to do. It's just a matter of having the time to get it all done. Well, I'm really excited about it. And this certainly wasn't my first attempt at, at what I should be doing with my life. It, what you'll in the first chapter of the book, you'll hear about my so so-called career as a businesswoman. And then after that, my attempts at working in psychology. Uh, I, I was a therapist for a while and then I worked in the adoption field and, and working with adoptive families. So this is definitely not the first thing I've tried, but I really, really am enjoying it. And I'm just so excited to get this story out there and helping people on a on a broader scale than I could do one-on-one. Well, we can't wait to hear it. I'm so excited that you've got this story and a wonderful example of how to approach these things with your own children who may or may not have their own trauma stories and and just letting people know, number one, that there's a good way to handle it. And number two, that adoption can be beautiful. It doesn't need to be the trauma. Yes, most 
Most every child who's been adopted has a trauma in their life, but that does not need to be the basic foundation of their story. Absolutely not. So, well, thank you so much for your time today. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you telling us about this, this story and this book coming out. And like I said, um, as soon as I get a link, I'll make certain that it's on, on the show notes, on the website. Uh, again, I'll mention it before I'll mention it again. Apple podcast is a getting a hold of them is the bane of my existence. So I don't even try and get a hold of them anymore. A lot of the times the links on Apple podcast are all wonky and they just show up as text. So you have to highlight them and copy and paste them into your browser, or you can just go to the website, fostercarenation.com. Top left corner is the podcast blog uh, button. You can hit that and you can find all the show notes in there. Um, it'll be it'll be under this show and there will be links there that work for sure. So uh, <laughs> I well, make- it should be it should be pretty easy to find. Yeah, it'll be Journey to My Daughter and you can just search on that in on Amazon. There is no other book with that title. I've looked at least not on Amazon. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. My name is Jennifer Rose Asher and I'm available and happy to talk. If, if anybody has any specific questions or anything, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, very willing to talk to anyone, particularly other adoptive families, foster families. This is, it's really, my children are the most important thing in my life. I can't imagine my life without them. And, and I think adoption is a beautiful thing. And I think it's, I think it's very sad that lately there have been so many negative stories about adoption because I really think it can be a wonderful thing for all involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it seems as if the news media really likes the horrible stories and they sell better. So you hear a lot of those and you don't hear enough of the beautiful stories like yours and your daughter's story to be able to um, to always see the, the benefit of this situation, even though it came out of a place that maybe started with some trauma, but it still ended with beauty. Absolutely. Okay, Foster Care Nation. Thank you for listening to Jennifer's story. Now take her knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you'd like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. Don't forget we have an account at Buy Me A Coffee. It's like a virtual tip jar where you can help us fund our mission for as little or as much as you'd like. It's at buymeacoffee.com slash fostercare. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Unparalleled Studios. Studios.